this way, nor shall you be the last. Disappear! Disappear! Back! Back! Over the heart! W Radio Your Information Station Hello everybody and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 236 for the week of August 21st, 2011. This week, we're going to take a detailed tour of the Norway Pavilion in Epcot's World Showcase. Along with listeners who are from Norway, we'll explore the pavilion and how similar and different it is from the real Scandinavian kingdom. Recorded live from the pavilion itself, we'll discuss the architecture, culture, symbolism, history, and stories as we virtually tour the entire pavilion, including the courtyard, church, shops, dining options, and attraction. It's a fascinating look into how and where Norwegian culture, traditions, and history are found in the pavilion itself, and the attention to detail that Disney's Imagineers include to provide guests a truly authentic experience. I'll play some more of your voicemails and have some announcements at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. To know this land's heart and soul, to discover its spirit, Norway. Those who seek the spirit of Norway face peril and adventure, but more often find beauty and charm. Walt Disney Place is a world in which fantasy becomes reality, all set on a three-dimensional stage. And environments and experiences throughout the parks and resorts are based on fairy tales and visions and hopes for the future, idealized worlds that never were, and a sense of adventure and fantasy. And some of the things that we get to see throughout Walt Disney World aren't necessarily based on that fantasy, but really are more in reality and very much in present day reality can be found in World Showcase in Epcot Center. It gives you a chance to experience the people and the cultures and of course the food, because uh, that's really the best way to learn about a people is through their food from around the world. And in an afternoon, you can literally circumnavigate the globe and get to experience and see so much and it's really not about how we as people are different but really uh, how we are all very much alike in uh, in our history and in our cultures and when Disney had to, to start putting together the original nine and eventually eleven countries that make up World Showcase uh, it's really difficult to try and represent 
an entire nation or even region of the globe. And Disney had to make some very uh, tough choices about how to balance history and modern day experiences, architectural elements and lots more. And as somebody who has never visited most of the countries, other than the American Adventure here in World Showcase, I often wonder how close they come to the to achieving their goal and with the choices that they made. I also wonder about the meaning behind a lot of what we see and about the details and the stories inside. In the past on the show, we've had a chance to look at the United Kingdom with a couple from the United Kingdom, and we explored that pavilion in depth, sort of making some of those comparisons uh, between Disney's version of the United Kingdom and the real world United Kingdom. And I wanted to do that again, and this time in a place where those who seek the spirit of this country seek peril and adventure, but most often find beauty and charm. So, of course, I am talking about Norway. And again, I am with two friends, two listeners who traveled all the way from Norway just for this segment. Really just a vacation and a segment thrown in aside. Guys, welcome to the show. Introduce yourselves and tell me where in Norway you guys are from. Well, I'm Erin. Uh, I'm from Oslo. Uh, we actually traveled from Liverpool today. I'm original Norwegian, but we traveled from Liverpool today. Uh, you went through Liverpool to Norway and then here to Epcot Center. We did. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, and this is my husband, David. He's English, actually, but uh, he's kind of seeing it I'm a, from... I'm an adop- adopted Norwegian, <laughs> so I see it from the kind of bizarre parallel worlds of living in neither, so I'm kind of <laughs> unique perspective. So he's, uh, he's known the Norwegian culture for about nine years and uh, can sort of see it from the outside. Sort of uh, all these weird cultural things that to me are like natural and completely fine. It's a bit like, okay, that's a bit weird. But <laughs> it's fun to see from the outside, I suppose. So tell me about the first time you specifically came to Disney World and came to Epcot. I had to assume that you knew about a Norway pavilion and had to be curious about how your nation, how your people were going to be represented. Do you remember that first time that you saw it? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think I probably saw the state church first, uh, although I can't particularly remember that. Uh, yeah, it was just sort of a feeling of Norway uh, back in time, I suppose, uh, and a little bit sort of cartoonized in a sense. And um, uh, yeah, that kind of thing, the sort of the juice of Norway, the con- concentrated Norway kind of thing. And uh, everyone works there in Norwegian as well, so it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, um, it's a cartoon Norway in a sense, the kind of the best of Norway extracted. In a, in a right, well, which is sort of, you know, that's what we, as people who've never experienced the country, hope to see as sort of a microcosm of what we might find there and maybe enticing us, you know, the, we'll talk about the film very much trying to get us to go to Norway as tourists, uh, you know, so hopefully this gives us a little sample. Let's just talk real quick about the history of this pavilion again. It is the most recent addition to World Showcase. It opened on May 6th, 1988, although as we were talking before, they had a dedication ceremony about a month later, and it very much was uh, a big deal was made, and not only here, but it was live broadcast to Norway, and you had even said the Crown Prince Harold had actually come over to do the dedication and then broadcast it to, over to Norway as well. Yes, it did. Uh, I didn't actually see that, but uh, I wish I'd done now. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, good. I think Norway no, I do like to make a big fuss about something. If, if Norway is, is mentioned outside of Norway, like if there's an actress who is, has some kind of Norwegian heritage or was an Oscar, it's front-page news. It's like, who is it? Is it, is it Rene? Rene Zalweger is part Norwegian, and Norway makes a big deal of that. It's, oh, it's they, because yeah. we're a small nation. We're only five million people, if that. 
and uh, anything in Norway is just anywhere else. We're very much because we're a new country as well, uh, so we got that sense of nationalism. Uh, massive, massive national, massive national pride, more so than you see in Britain, and uh, you compared to something like America, similar kind of age of country. Yeah. Very proud of kind of we fought for this, and it's that kind of you know flag waving. Yeah. We only got our independence in 1814, so it's still uh, it's still like that really. And literally, she is sitting here waving a small Norwegian flag because tomorrow yeah. is Norwegian. The Norwegian National Day, as we seventeenth uh, of May, we call it Sutnamai, which is uh, a huge day. It's a bit like your your Fourth of July in the sense that well, everyone's off work. Uh, we got this huge parade going through the city centre of Oslo and also smaller parades in, in different cities in the in, in in Norway and also in the world, like this one in London, for example. There will be one here in Orlando tomorrow. Um, so uh, everyone's off, off school and work. Uh, everyone's going around with the flags and yelling hurrah, hurrah, hooray, hooray, and singing Norwegian national songs and marching bands. Uh, the menu is uh, basically just uh, ice cream and uh, pop and candies and, and hot dogs. Norwegian hot dogs are amazing, by the way. I love Norway already. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, a, it's a gigantic happy day kind of thing. It's, uh, it's, kind, of, it's kind of a bit like... Like Disney World, it's like it's part of it's kind of built for children, but it's it's really for everyone. But it's uh, it's that kind of level. It's uh, it, it's great fun. Well, we were saying before, you know, Norway as we see it today was not the original plan from Disney. Originally, there was going to be a, a much larger Scandinavian pavilion, um, sort of encompassing a, a much wider region, and that ended up not happening. And you even know uh, some of the reasons why that happened. Well, I know that at least uh, I know that the other the other countries said no, uh, but Norway were keen to do it. Uh, there were some Norwegian investors who pay, paid for uh, most of the construction of it. Disney chipped in about a third, I think. So um, that was in 1988. Uh, in 1992, they sold their stakes to Disney, uh, so it was fully Disney owned. Uh, Norwegian state paid, I think, uh, around two hundred thousand dollars every year for the next ten years to sort of help keeping it up. Um, so. Uh, like the Norwegian film here, about the film by Norway, would need some updating. We don't all walk around looking like it's still the 90s. But, <laughs> but other than that, yeah, it's... Uh... The, the reasons might very well be, back again, back to the, the national pride thing, because Norway had to fight for its independence. Uh, you know, Denmark and Sweden, for example, they just took turns in owning Norway. We'll invade you now, now we'll invade you now. When they got to be themselves, that kind of they would stake their claim to kind of like if you guys you want don't want to show it. off kind yeah. of thing. We got this great country, we want to show it off. So uh, it's, it's I think it's a national pride, which is the is the reason why Norway wanted to have a, a pavilion here. And the spirit of adventure, probably. And the fact that we want people, we want you guys to come and visit us. You know, we wanted to come and see what Norway's like for real. Uh, there are only five million of us. I think you know there, there'll be more people to this pavilion than than there are Norwegians. So. Well, I can remember coming to this pavilion as a kid with my parents, and my dad loved the Norwegian film. And he's like, "Yeah, when you guys get older, it never happened." But he wanted us to all go to Norway. He sort of liked the uh, sort of these these small little villages and wanted to see what a completely different culture was like. So. Certainly the film and the sense of pride that you said definitely carried over to a lot of people and definitely resonated with them. You know, as you approach Norway, either from across the lagoon or as you're walking around the promenade, you definitely get the sense that it is trying to honor that seafaring tradition that they speak about very much so in the film and on the attraction. Um, this is sort of the recreation of maybe one of those small villages that you were talking about. Uh, but we have to obviously get a sense, too, that 
it's sort of that balance between the old world, historical, and, uh, you know, obviously assuming a, a very modern Norway as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, the architecture run is actually built uh, on four different... Uh, the architecture of four different cities in Norway. It's Oslo, Bergen, a place called Setestal, and a place called Ålesund. So it's, uh, it's a mix between different parts of, the, parts of Norway, which is, uh, which is also interesting, but, because you can see that, you know, you've got the uh, Akershus fort, the, the castle there, which is in Oslo. You've got the, the sort of wooden houses of Bergen a bit further back there. And you've got, you got all these sort of mixes of different things thrown into one. So on its face, it's very accurate because you were able to instantly recognize those areas and the elements of the pavilion that, for me, as somebody who's never been there, sort of blend together, but you see the very different, distinct areas. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to, it's easy to see. I mean, I've grown up in Norway anyway, and, uh, and I'm an actress, so I've toured, I've toured Norway uh, and seen different parts of Norway as well and, and recognized them, so yeah. And we were talking about some of that accuracy. We were, we were chatting with one of the Norwegian cast members before, I don't know what you guys were saying. It was in Norwegian. <laughs> but they, um, the costumes, it, it's, it's a traditional national costume? Yes, uh, that's a big tradition we have in Norway as well. And uh, the National Day, uh, everyone wears their sort of specific Norwegian national costumes. It's from, from the, different, the different areas of Norway have different costumes. Um, it's like, is it similar to, a, similar to a sort of geographical tartan? Everyone's got their own for them from their village, from their heritage, and they wear their own particular kind of thing with the little... You know it's a, a big sort of amount of pride in that. They'll wear it for any kind of big occasions like Christmas, christenings, that kind of thing. Yeah, weddings and stuff. Weddings as well. Well, not when you're actually getting married, but <laughs> <laughs> when you go to a wedding, you wear them. So it's, uh, I mean, they're very colourful and very, uh, they are actually very interesting. They're, some of them look, they're very um, yeah, colourful and, and different sort of shapes and, and uh, very strange, I think, probably to other people. Right. Very sort of folk-like, but... Some of them are very beautiful as well. You can almost like you can, it's like they can, you can almost like read them. You can tell because there's lots of small things attached to them and details, which kind of are I think are a visual, like a language, I suppose, to kind of say where they're from yeah. and that kind of there's a history behind it. Like some people can read tartan, you know, okay. not me. <laughs> but so seventy the make you see oh, okay, she's from the north, she's from Oslo, she's from Trondheim. So that's but I'm not entirely sure the one they're wearing. I think that looks. I'm not sure if that's a specific one or if it's just general made-up one. Yeah, there are some made-up ima- well. It may be an imagineered uh, sort of thing to encompass the whole yeah, spirit of Norway. Right, sort of spirit just of embody- <laughs> embodying all those areas and all those sort of cultures together. Yeah. Uh, and so when you were speaking with her before, I know when we did this in the UK, it was a little bit easier for me to understand. Are you able to tell just from maybe their accent, maybe where they're from, whether yeah. they're sort of distinct regions in their accents? Yeah, no problem. It's, there are big differences between Norwegian accents. Um, I'm from Oslo, and we speak very much. Yeah, I'm from Norge. Yeah, it's not Norsk. It's very sort of flat. But if you're from uh, the people from Bergen, for example, we speak, we speak like "Ege fra Norge, ege snakker norsk." Whereas uh, from the north, if we get it right now, it's more like "I'm from Norge, snakker norsk." So it's a, there's a big difference between the different uh, different accents, different parts of the countries. I can do more as well. It's it's yeah. There's uh, there's big difference, but it, I think. You in America have different accents as well, but I think in, in Norway it's even more so. In some places, um, a place called Telemark, Telemark, I can hardly understand that. It's really, really tricky. <laughs> it all sounds like the Swedish chef to me. So. <laughs> I'm looking for Telemark because they're kind of, no one can understand what they're saying, but they were, they were uh, was it, who was in the film? Was it, uh, there was a big, massive Hollywood movie, The Heroes of Telemark, because they played a huge part in stopping uh, Hitler winning the Second World War by uh, stopping their atomic plot. 
so that's why we're all still speaking English and not and Norwegian and not German. You know. Yeah, and not Telemark, luckily, because I would I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> well, let's start. I mean, we're right here by uh, Akershus, which, as you said before, is not just the name of the restaurant, but it is an accurate recreation, obviously on a different scale and different size. Uh, but a real uh, Akershus castle that's in Norway? It is, yes. It's in Oslo. I'm from Oslo. It's uh, it's right on the sort of dock uh, in Oslo. It's a gigantic fort, which I think is from the 1400s, but I might be wrong. Uh, I can't remember numbers very well. Um, yeah, so it's uh, especially, if you see that tower over there, that's very sort of typical of that. It's the same kind of uh, stone it's made from. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good, uh, it's part, partly a good replica because uh, the roof there, maybe not so much. <laughs> it's kind of all, is it like, now this is from, from my sort of visiting Norway sort of point of view and knowing some parts of it, but the, those parts, the window and the roof seems more like the interior of the fort rather than the exterior looks like an actual fort. It looks like it could defend itself, which is more like the tower, I suppose. Is that right? Yeah, and if you, actually, if, you, if we go around the right-hand side as you approach China, we saw the side of the show building there very much sort of looks like a, a fortress yeah. on that side as opposed to a little more maybe decorative uh, on this side here. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, for, fortress and castle is the same word in Norwegian, so we just call it castle, but it, it was more like a fortress. And, is, and today, is it, a, uh, is it something that's occupied? Is it a, a tourist destination? Is it a national monument? Yes, it's a tourist destination, okay. so you can, you can go inside and have a look. Well, between it anyway. I'm not sure if they actually let you inside. Do they um, soldiers there? I've seen soldiers. Yeah, there's yeah. Soldiers, soldiers around there as well. So it's a good... If you ever go to Norway, it's a good uh, It's a good place to go. It's a good place to sort of see some, get some history and soak it up and, yeah, go back in time a bit. All right, so let's, let's actually walk over to the entrance to uh, Akershus, uh, which now is um, a princess, princess storybook dining, and it's known as a royal banquet hall. And what I wanted you to do real quick was... Just take a look at the. Have you ever eaten here before? So here's a yes, curious I have, question. Yeah, many times. So how accurate is the food here to maybe what you'd find either at home in Norway or in a restaurant? Well, uh, the starters are very good. There's a starter buffet, and that's very good. I mean, the only thing is in Norway, fresh prawns is one of the biggest. You will never find prawns better in Norway. Fresh prawns, they're amazing. The prawns here are a bit sort of watered out and a bit sort of old, and they're not right. Uh, other than that, you got like smoked salmon in here. You got uh, you got different sort of uh, you got something called brunos, which is brown ghost. I keep saying ghost cheese. It's not ghost cheese. It's goat cheese. Goat cheese, uh, which is very weird. It's kind of like if you put it in water, it'll dissolve. But you sort of slice it. It's a very strange thing. Apparently, some uh, someone I knew sent it to some Americans sent you, and I thought it was a soap. So yeah, it is very, yeah, it's, it's basically like sugar and cream, isn't it? Essentially, it is. it's, it's, it's very caramelly, and it's kind of got. You could probably make. It's got a consistency of plasticine. You can make things out of it. It's, okay. it's, yeah, it's yeah. Not, so that's very good. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, the, the the mains they have here, I don't think are the best. They're a little. They're not quite as tasty as they are in Norway. Do you think maybe it's sort of brought you know bit down for an American palate a little bit? So. I think, well, apparently, uh, last time I was here in January, they said they didn't have a Norwegian chef, and I think that's the thing. They don't really know quite how yeah. to make things. But they do have uh, something called uh, school bread, which they have in the, in the Kringrau. Oh, there. we're going to get there. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> that's got, that's kind, of, kind of like got more flavor. It's like 10 times as much flavor as I actually think. So why that is this, the sort of main sound, the best here is. But it's worth going just for the starters, because if you want to, if you want to get a bit of a taste of Norway, the starters are brilliant. Definitely. From, from, yeah. from a palate that's kind of used to, you know, British food and, and going to Norway, the, 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 I would pay 
more than they pay the charges for the you know the princess and the dining and all that yeah. just for the starter buffet alone they got the thing like the sushi which is the sour the sour silled fish pickled fish which sounds terrible but it's one of the, my favorite foods of Norway I could eat that they have like different I could eat that all day we eat that a lot of Christmas is the okay. sort of sale we have different uh, it's still in different this is tomato one this one in with like a spicy one different versions of it so that's, that's a very Norwegian thing they got here yeah I mean I like the fact that you uh, this I like this buffet, and I recommend it to people who want to maybe experiment a little bit. But there's nothing, there's no lutefisk on there. So. No, there isn't. <laughs> lutefisk, yeah, lutefisk is it's weird. It's this sort of weird jelly. It's fish that it make makes it all jelly, and it tastes of what's the word again? Uh, what is it like to uh, farts? <laughs> no, it's I can't remember the word. There's a chemical they use in it. Like oh, lard, yeah, sulfur. like like lye or sulfur. It's yeah. kind of sulfur. Yeah. It kind of tastes of sulfur. Uh, it, 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 it's sort of jelly-like, and it's kind of like apparently. Well, the thing is, if you make it right, which is very difficult, it's apparently delicious. I haven't tried that before, but most of the time, it's very, very strange. I think. Yeah, they seem to eat it on shows like Bizarre Foods and things yeah. like that. So probably not. But and I and I use that as an example because that's not what you're going to find here. If you do want to maybe sample again, you learn about the culture a lot of times from their food. Obviously, very rich in fish uh, and, and seafood here. It's a, it, this might be a good way to go ahead and do it. And, and, so, and uh, there's princesses too, which is nice. Yeah. So. The, 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 sorry, the, the starters are definitely, definitely for me, from the, the kind of, uh, the, obviously probably not to the sensitive Norwegian palate, that's why I'm just from my comparison, from an outsider, it's definitely, the, the starter's definitely Norwegian for the I most part. No, the Norwegian diet is very much, uh, we do eat a lot of bread. When I grew up, I hated bread because that's all I got almost. Uh, it's like breakfast, lunch, evening meal, it's just bread with different sort of... Uh, uh, meat, uh, cheese, uh, sometimes fish, I suppose, on. Um, uh, and also, but for dinner, we tend to eat a lot of potatoes and fish, and it's very sort of solid uh, Dependable food, food. Dependable food, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, but it's very much that here as well. You get sort of uh, something called salami, called salami basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. You have that, don't you? It differently, doesn't make it any different. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, and cheese and stuff. There's things like that there as well. And it's, uh, but it is very, and also you might, a lot, a lot of people might try something called Jarlsberg, which is uh, a Norwegian cheese, uh, which we use for everything. We use it for pizza, we use it on the bread. It's, uh, yeah. They don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And the restaurant's beautiful inside too. I mean, you, you that sense of being in a fortress or in a castle very much carries over. So if, if people talk about wanting to go into Cinderella Castle, this is a great alternative for very much that sort of inside the castle experience. It is, yeah. And they're very uh, the Norwegians in there are very nice as well. <laughs> yeah, to mention the, the food, the the, uh, the dessert on the because you forgot about the dessert, which is kind of great. The kind of is the the cream, the, yeah. the rice cream pudding, if you like. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very traditional. Whether the flavour is the same, I don't know, but it's kind of, it look, I like yeah. it. I love it. It's a Norwegian Christmas is very different from uh, from American Christmas, or for Christmas most most places in the world. Um, we have we celebrate Christmas in the 24th in the evening. Uh, first we have this big meal, which is actually three types of pork for some reason. I don't know why. It's uh, it rib, it's uh, some kind of pork, sort of thick sausage, and uh, it's kind of like a, it's like a meat. Like a meat, meat patty, like a meat sausage meat patty, thing, yeah. Which is uh, it's amazing, and uh, and the Norwegian sauerkraut was a very sort of sweet sauerkraut uh, and potatoes. And for dessert, you have this rice cream, uh, which is basically like rice porridge mixed with cream, and then with some kind of red fruit sauce on. So, but that's that's very authentic. So that's that's, that's beautiful. The kind of from, this is from a guy that before I met my Norwegian wife, 
that I, I didn't. I hated rice pudding. That to me was kind of some kind of weird gloop you get of him. We had rice pudding in Britain. It's awful. But the rice cream is, uh, it sounds simple, but it's so delicious. Yeah. Definitely, I'd eat that all day. You made a, uh, a quick mention of Christmas, and I wanted to talk about it, so we might as well mention it here. Obviously, World Showcase during the holidays is a completely different experience, and it's a great way to learn about how every different culture celebrates theirs. We think of Santa Claus here, but there's the Monkey King, there's La Bafana. <laughs> Tell us about sort of the Norwegian version of Santa Claus. Well, yes, we have in Norway, we got something called um, Fjörs Nisser, which is sort of small version. They're like gnomes kind of thing. Yeah. Santa-like gnomes, uh, which a lot of people believe are live in the barns and in different farms. Uh, and obviously we got Santa himself, the big, big Santa. Um, in, uh, in Norway, on the 24th in the evening, before we start opening the presents and everything, um, Santa actually actually comes in. He comes to visit you, visit us. Uh, you ring on the doorbell and we go up in the door and he's like, "Oh my God, Santa's coming!" And uh, he comes in. He's got this sort of big sack full of presents and oh, uh, uh, I don't know what's in the barn. Had are there any nice kids here? So he comes in and um, and takes all the presents up and gives gives it to the kids. And the kids are a bit scared. It's like meeting a Disney character because he's you know he's big and intimidating, but again he's got presents. So. <laughs> Can I point out the reason they're scared? I mean, obviously, coming for the first... I, I celebrate Christmas in Norway every year. And uh, the one thing I've seen, in, like, especially from like kids' home movies, is uh, they have this kind of... The, the way they, they, the people, the parents dress up for Santa, they have this mask. And now, the kind of mask which I've only ever seen in movies where there's bank robbers, they're the kind of thing where they use, like, they might use the Nixon mask over here. It's kind of this sort of weird plastic, it's scary, but it's kind of... It's, it's got lipstick on. To be completely it's... honest, the mask we had looked like a zombie. Oh, so we had, we had basically... My mother or my father dress up like some kind of weird zo- zombie Santa. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so you deserve presents for actually enduring the horror that is going to be Christmas yes, Eve. Yes, we do. <laughs> if I was, I'm got, I, I think I'd be traumatized if I grew up on a Norwegian Christmas. That's, the, the, that's why. No wonder, like we have the guy just while you're asleep. Well, that's scary enough. He only comes if you're asleep. That's fine by me. Well, the thing is, he likes Norwegians better. That's why he actually visits us personally. Yeah, he goes, he goes there first. Yeah, yeah Norwegian. It's, it's it's a big day in Norway, obviously, like everywhere else. It's uh, just traditions are different, but it's the same. Ultimately, the same thing. Right again, it's that it's those similarities in the culture again, but with some of those subtle differences. We have a big fat jolly guy in red. You have giant zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giant, giant zombies with uh, psycho masks. Yeah, exactly. And we also have uh, something else. We have Christmas marzipan. You know, in marzipan is a big thing. We have marzipan for Christmas. We have marzipan for Easter. Yeah, it's the same marzipan, but it's like in different shapes. It's, uh, no, it's, it's because, different. No, it's not different. Because it's, it's got of, different packaging. Yeah, <laughs> it's branded up. They kind of they have the, like the, uh, the, the it's shaped in like little sausage, like little finger shapes. They just kind of repackage it at Easter as like they just Easter like marzipan. Santa and Christmas things, and then on Easter yeah, yeah. we got chickens. Tastes different then. Yeah. yeah. Notice, see, it always comes back to the food. Yeah. I am not alone. It's always about the food. Because I haven't eaten today. Everything. <laughs> I think of Norway. I think of I think of food constantly. Yeah, we're definitely going to get to the food. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna hit this. We're gonna save the bakery for last and uh, and some of the some of the best. So obviously the uh, this fortress. Uh, that is the castle looks just like that. It looks very much like a, a castle. But as you sort of walk or look in a uh, counterclockwise direction going left, you see different elevations, different colors, different textures, and it obviously gets a little bit more delicate as you go across. There's a lot of, especially on the Puffin's Roost, a lot of lace-type carvings. But you said you were very much able to tell sort of by looking at things like the Maelstrom, at the building in between that and uh, the... the, the um, the castle, different areas of Norway very clearly represented? 
Well, yeah, you can see that. Obviously, the the Arkashus Castle, it's, it's from Oslo. Uh, and then you have uh, you see the sort of colourful, sort of orangey red buildings that are very sort of much from Bergen. There are four different types of architecture here, I might have said before. It's from Oslo, it's Bergen, it's Setesal, and it's Olsen. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's different... Uh, it's these sort of different types of architecture, different textures here, like the stone, there's, there's the sort of... Uh, Wood, the sort of brown wood for the for the church, and there's sort of softer painted wood for more modern wood, I suppose, for the Bergen, the house from Bergen. They build an awful lot of stuff out of still even now build houses and properties out of wood because it's so. I mean, most of Norway is uh, is, is forest, and if it's not forest, it's mountain. So it's kind of this this they kind of they've got more they've got more resources to build things than there are people and land to build it on. Um, so of course the fort needs to be stoned. But other than that, it's kind of yeah, there's such skilled, such skilled workers. So buildings like you see on the fjording here is something you might see built today in you know one of those seaside villages. Yeah, in Bergen, it's, it's very sort of a, it, it's it's very sort of a seaside villagey kind of. It, it, it's very nice actually. It should, it's it's um, south of Norway. Uh, have have uh, a lot of um, a lot of wooden buildings like that. One thing I know that they do, um, and we'll talk, I want to kind of go through the, the shops as well and go through the Puffins Roost. Obviously, uh, Norwegian trolls, very much a part of the decor here. I know around the holidays, they actually hide a number of trolls around here for kids to do. Can you tell us quickly about sort of the connection of the, the trolls to Norway? Yeah, uh, I think people used to believe that they actually lived in the forests. And uh, of course they do. <laughs> But it, it's, kind of, it's kind of the symbol of Norway, I suppose. If you go, uh, when I was a young acting student in Norway, I, I did have a, uh, a holiday job, or a job just in, uh, sell, in a tourist shop. Uh, and there was a lot of trolls, lots of, they used to make them out of, uh, out of wood, carve them out of wood, or they used to make them out of stone, glue some stones together, pebbles. Uh, but now they're made from, they tend to be made from rubber. Um, but it's a very sort of, a very sort of Norwegian symbol, which, uh, which other people... Uh, a lot of tourists will, will find in the house, I suppose. <laughs> I want to take a walk inside the Puffins Roost and look around the shop a little bit. But if you could translate for me, um, this first building here, the Fjording has a horse outside, and I won't even try and pronounce what Matt Og called it. Like, well, Fjording is a type, it's a type of horse. I'm not sure if you've got that in English as well. Mart, How do you pronounce the, the, that? The... Mart or Konfekt. Mart means food, org means and, confect means uh, well, chocolate, like, like, like a chocolate box. Okay, kind of like, like a confectionery type yeah, of candy that store. Kind of, okay. Yeah, that kind of thing. So, uh, yes? All right, let's go inside. I want, let's look at some of the, uh, the merchandise in there and see how sort of representative it is uh, of what you might find. Again, very much um, you're going to see, in addition to Duffy Bear, you're going to see a lot of trolls Both in here as well. Actually, some, uh, some sort of... Uh, um, what do you call it? A Norwegian traditional paint work on the doors here. It's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, strong history of uh, something I studied being from an art background. There's a lot of folk art in Norway you'll find on... Rose paintings, we call it, rosemarling. Yeah, and they're actually even on the ceiling, uh, on the beams of the ceiling in here as well. Yeah, those, those on the door actually look more, looks more uh, authentic to me, but yeah, and all the, on the furniture stuff is also rosemarling, as we call it. So again, uh, you know, this is... Again, inside, the, the buildings are separated as they are outside. This is a, a sort of very low-beam ceiling, dark wood. Yeah. Um, and this is something you might find, like, in a traditional Norwegian shop? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, 
maybe well maybe they're all sort of countryside shops but to me it looks more like a sort of Norwegian farm uh, from the old days it's sort of Okay. And as you said, it's all about the candy. And, and yes, the <laughs> there we go. This is Melkechoklade, Norwegian milk chocolate. It's uh, the best chocolate in the world. Now, you so. said that before. We, yes, you know, we hear about Swiss chocolate and German chocolate. And you're saying the Norwegian <laughs> And we're gonna, we'll try some of this later. Don't worry. But you're saying it's the best. Why do you think it's... What is it? I think it's uh, Norwegian cows make better milk than other cows. <laughs> I know it's very, it's very sort of, a, it, it's very creamy. There's a lot of milk in it. It's very, it's very melty, melt on your tongue. Uh, it's quite sweet, but it's, I think it's got the right balance of that as well. It's, uh, it's very addictive. I know lots of people in around the world who get Norwegian milk chocolate sent to them because they love it so much. We got a uh, Stratos, which is sort of a area one, which is it's not made from uh, it's not made it's made from Nidar, which is the second biggest chocolate company. The Melkechoklad is made from Freya. If you if you want proper Norwegian milk chocolate, look for Freya. That's a, that's a good stuff. Uh, we got something called Troika, which is a, a bit of a strange one, I suppose. It's got marsip, a thin layer of marsipan at the bottom. Uh-huh. It's got some sort of truffleish. What would you call that? Yeah, it's like a truffly chocolate, weird, yeah. half cakey chocolate. They, they don't even know what it is. And it got some raspberry jelly, and it's all covered by, by dark chocolate, and it's very good. It's really bizarre food. <laughs> and you got Nonstop, which is another favourite, uh, which they're not like Smarties, basically, but it's dark chocolate. Uh, and you use it um, at Christmas, you got these sort of gingerbread houses, okay. and uh, traditionally, you're only supposed to decorate them with um, Nonstop, which are these Smarties things. Uh, in different, all different colours, um, and uh, something called Simon, which are sort of jelly men, sort of stretchy jelly men with sugar on top of it. So that's, <laughs> so that's basically what you're supposed to, to decorate. That's what you use that for, or you, or you sounds, eat it. It sounds so bizarre when you talk about it. Mean, I'm used to it now, but remember my first, my first memories. It's all coming back to me now, the first kind of, right, and you're only allowed to decorate them with that, and then the weird traditions which are kind of that they do hold traditions very well but it's kind of it's like you want to try some of this and no 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 yeah, but it's tradition you know we might un- yeah. not understand why it is what it is but uh, to follow a couple of the things are here and we talked about some food you actually we're going to sit down you brought some food from Norway which I'm so excited about <laughs> um, licorice being one and, and licorice maybe not as we in America are used to but also they have a lot of these and I love these ginger flavored fans Sweden, it's Swedish. Oh, see, so it's not. It shouldn't be here. No, not really. I mean, it, to, to be honest, to be fair though, it does look like Norwegian ginger biscuits. Uh, we call we call them pepper cakes, pepper So uh, it might it might sort of taste pretty pretty much like it. But they are Swedish. I think they the have the blueberry flavored things. I don't know. I never heard of that. Lemon flavored things. I've heard of that. Chocolate. I never heard of any of the other stuff. But the ginger things look like pepper cocket. I think it looks like the kind of because Sweden export a lot more than Norway does. Hence IKEA being absolutely okay. everywhere. Um, as you can see from the, the mint thins, the kind of they're actually the, that, that's packaged and sold for the U.S. market. You know, yeah. so that's what they're called, whatever they are, thins. So um, that's probably so probably why they're here rather than having Norwegian uh, biscuits. Sorry, uh, cookies, as you call it. <laughs> Moving into the next section of the building, uh, obviously the decor changes from a hardwood floor to a carpet floor, a much more delicate type of setting uh, in light blues, uh, crystal chandeliers hanging from the ceiling, and here it's. You can smell it as you walk in, a lot of perfume, uh, a lot of jewelry. But one of the things that fascinated me that I was really curious about were a lot of the things that you found on the wall. There's a sign here talking about uh, traditional bridal treasures from turn of the century. Yes, it's uh, you've got the wooden spoons here, which is something you'd find hanging on the wall in people's houses, which is probably pretty bizarre, but it's what I'm used to. You've got the sort of a table, little sort of tablecloth things that... Um, 
people like toilet table like lace work lace work kind yeah. of thing yeah sorry yeah uh, that you you find on on the table in Norway a lot it's uh, it all looks very and the room itself doesn't look particularly Norwegian to me uh, I'm no expert obviously but um, yeah but the stuff on the wall definitely the odd, the odd stuff because the sometimes these I reckon like sort of the actual they got I mean the fact that they've got wood paneling I suppose a little sort of there's little there's flavours of it there's little touches of it. But the actual, it's not. Um... Actually, you see, see the holes. Got the sort of these sort of square holes. I think that's uh, hardang embroidery. It's it's this sort of particular stitch stitching that you do, which is uh, apparently extremely difficult. You sew around it and you cut through you're, you're it. You're right. It does say that. Well done. I've, I've just cheated <laughs> and looked oh. at the sign, and she's correct. Okay. Yeah. It's so apparently, a friend of mine tried to do it. It's <laughs> difficult. And on top of it, I recognise that. That's uh, that's old traditional sort of uh, Norwegian bride outfit which is sort of a yeah it, it's it's sort of Norwegian Norwegian sort of a national costume and this sort of weird gigantic crown it kind of looks like the crown looks like it's more appropriate to like Thailand or somewhere where they have that kind of overly yeah. gigantic crown thing that's a very famous painting is called uh, which is bride well it's basically about a bridal party in a, in a boat uh, driving into the fjord which was uh, was actually my great great Great-great-grandfather, I think it was. A great-great-great-grandfather was, a, a, at the time, a very famous painter in Norway. No one's heard of him now, but that was painted by one of his biggest uh, competitors. So... Uh, <laughs> you don't speak of it. Yeah. And strangely enough, because I'm from a bit of an active family, my, my grandmother uh, recreated that painting on TV once. Strangely enough. <laughs> uh, there's also a lot of beautiful jewellery here. It seems predominantly silver, um, but there's also some... Uh, beautifully decorated like uh, pins and, and, and butterfly uh, pins here in the case as well. Those are very traditional. Uh, those are sort of the silver... You, you put them on your national like a, costumes. Like a, uh, like a brooch or a, a brooch, brooch, depending on how you want to pronounce that. Okay. They're very traditional bro and brooches, so that, that's why you put them on your national costumes. Those down so some there. of the costumes that we spoke about earlier that yeah. are similar to what the, the cast members here are wearing? Basically, yeah, different all the way, all a different place in the country. Yes, if, you uh, come, if you come to the Norwegian shop and you want the traditional thing, it's kind of, if you look at the back, back wall, ask for the stuff that looks, the jewellery that looks like part of the national costume, then you get in the real thing. These tiny little round... Pieces of pieces of silver, like little drops. Made of That's circle. Very, Everything's made of circle, kind of round. It's a circle yeah. made of circles and more circles. It's hanging down. It moves very nicely in the sun as well. It moves all around. and Yeah, it's very, the rest of it, though, uh, I don't really recognise much of the rest of it. It's probably more sort of uh, modern design. It's the thing that sings Design Stockholm House, which, again, is Swedish. I think, it's a lot of, I think there's a lot of... Um, a little crossover here. From yeah, a little bit of easier access because, of course, it is. Uh, that's uh, that makes you know Scandinavia, which is made obviously Denmark, Sweden, Norway, and Finland or Iceland, depending on where you look we at it. We do have some silver jewellery, which is uh, I can't really see anywhere here, which I'm kind of surprised. Surprised. Uh, it's called Saga jewellery, which is uh, uh, replicas of uh, Viking jewellery. Yeah, they don't have that. Yeah, uh, no. That's, uh, that's actually some really nice designs. They should, should take that in here. That would that would sell really well, I think. Let's move on to the the next. Um, oh, you actually found one in, yeah. this, in the case? I think that's the hammer, Thor's hammer, some kind of version of that. Um, yeah. Viking jewelry is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Moving into the next room, uh, again, it's, uh, it's very pink, again, very delicate, that sort of wainscoting on the walls and um, you know, cutouts on the lower sections. Um, it's also the location of a kid cut fun stop where kids can come in and do some little crafts and things like that. 
It's a lot of plush and some, looks like, I guess, Christmas ornaments. Uh, yes, I would. I don't really know what quite what what kind of thing this is. Supposed to be an angel, I think. Uh, this is very uh, very Norwegian as well. It's kind of made from some kind of straw, I think. Figures made up made out of straw. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of uh, from, from handmade. A lot of handmade Christmas decorations. We we do make that lot when we're kids. Okay. Yeah. Which, I suppose you do as well. And there's some uh, some little gnomes, uh, little nisser as we call them, and a Santa has a little nisser on its. Uh, his back, so that's uh, that's very Norwegian. If you're in uh, to, to identify again from an outsider's point of view, to help to identify anything, if you see any kind of little sort of like childish figure with a, a, a like a tall red, looks like a kind of a sleeping hat, um, then that's uh, a nissa, which is kind of something to do with Christmas. So that's how you can identify that. It's a book about Norwegian cooking here as well, which is interesting. There's not many pictures though, but it's. Uh, well, that's not confusing. How do you know what you're cooking? So in the back of the Kidcot Fun Stop, and again, we're starting to get introduced to the idea of trolls, but in this Kidcot Fun Stop, there's shelves with what look to be hand-carved trolls and toys, uh, Viking ships, and some games. And in the back, there are some beautifully hand-painted um, plates as well. Can you tell us about some of the things we've seen here? Yeah, the, they have the plate. The plates are very much, uh, if you go to some older person's house you'll find that kind of thing on the on the wall hanging on the wall often they're not used for eating from not anymore anyway they're just for your decoration it's um and the the trolls over there i told you about earlier um they're normally those kind of trolls are normally carved from wood but those might be the new ones that are made from uh, rubber sort of different uh, some have two heads and some have a walking stick and the laughing and it's uh, yeah i'm pretty sure that's the rubber ones but they're very, uh, it's, it's, it's a piece of Norway, something that uh, is, is very Norwegian. These, uh, on the other side, there's, again, you can see the wood carver's tools for mm. the Viking ships. And what are yeah. some of these games that are on the walls? Are, they, are you familiar with those yes. at all? Nope. <laughs> I have no idea. Even the Casimir from Norway is shaking your head. No. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if they're particularly Norwegian. It might be an old Viking game, I suppose, but I don't really recognize them. But the Viking ships as well. Very much, if you go to an old people's house, person's house in Norway, you very often see sort of old Viking ships. Well, they're not that old, but just... <laughs> Everything is, is like, like much, much like kind of uh, a lot of the pavilions are kind of symbols and old things. For most countries, you tend to only find them in old people's houses. <laughs> you used to have a, outside as well, you used to have a, a replica of something called yes. Oseberg-Sheepa, which is a Viking ship, uh, which is very interesting, but apparently it wasn't supposed to last for that many years. They had to remove it, but... Uh, that was a very nice one. Yeah, it was a children's play area on the left-hand side of the pavilion as you were facing it. They did take it away. We'll go out there. There's elements of it still there. Yeah. It's used now for part of the of a Kim Possible interactive game. But it was a neat little play area for kids to go out and see. And if I remember right, it was a an actual prop replica, prop from the 13th Warrior. Um, I don't remember the name of the film that it was a, a prop replica from as well. What Famous films about Norwegian Vikings. Go. Uh, pass. <laughs> the Vikings. Well, that's old, though. Right? That's uh, good. Yeah, maybe. I don't actually know. I should know. Being an actress and being Norwegian, I should really know. The Thirteenth Warrior. I think I'm sure that might have been. I'm, that was that wasn't that Vikings. The Thirteenth Warrior. I don't get out of the house very much. I. <laughs> good. We're, also, we're we're a team of experts on Viking movies. So why not? Yeah. All right. So moving into the uh, the next room again it's uh, a very very different in designing decor you almost get the sense that you are in 
a large, yeah, yeah, that, that kind of thing. Somewhere. That's a big tradition in Norway. Like a lot of families, I would say every family, that's not true, uh, have a cabin somewhere on, on on the mountain or by the sea. Uh, uh, so it's it's very much like that kind of thing, like wood, big wooden beams. They're often brown um, and some skis as well. In Norway, uh, we say we're born with skis on our feet because pretty much as soon as you start, when you're a little baby and you learn to crawl in your you, you get up and you start to learn to walk. And as soon as you can walk, your parents will put skis on your feet so you'll just fall down again. <laughs> Eventually you'll learn to, to walk with them. And the snowshoes. Yeah, snowshoes, yeah. I've never worn any of those, actually, uh, being from Oslo, but very useful in really deep snow it can get very deep uh, it's, even lately uh, last couple of winters my dad's got a gigantic tree in his garden he, and he calls me up saying I can't see my tree it's all snow down <laughs> so it's, there's still a lot of snow there I mean and, and as we start to go into the next section where there are tons of sweaters what, what's the climate like in Norway it's really cold in the winter and I can't really deal with that very well uh, it depends uh, it can be up to six months of mostly snow which is uh, which is I mean ice and everything like that you just fall over you have a cold all the time and it's I, I'm not a big fan of that but most of we just really love the seasons because there are very sort of strong seasons and uh, summers can be quite warm so not like Florida warm but no, well, it can be, but it's rare. It tends to be sort of mid-twenties, that kind of thing, sometimes late-twenties. David's found uh, Akuwitte. Aku- what do you pronounce Aku- that? Akuwitte. Aku- they, they, they say, like... I'm not pronouncing Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Uh, that's very sorry people say, because it's uh, Akuwitte. Akuwitte, I suppose they say. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah this is... Uh, the, the life of water, no, the water of life. Yeah, which is basically booze, uh, as most, <laughs> most water of life tends to be. Um, rather than actual water, it's which is the water of life. Especially around Christmas. First time my uh, my husband was in in Norway at Christmas, uh, he he kept my my uncle kept serving him more and more, and he, at the end he could hardly sort of see his glass. So he just put his hand on top of it for my uncle to stop pouring, but he would just <laughs> pour between the fingers. So it's it's yeah. a drinking culture in Norway, I suppose. It's yeah, this, I mean, this is kind of like it's it's, it's one of those kind of things which is uh, uh, like it's supposed to be like after food or again, as as, as Aaron says, uh, uh, traditional Christmas drink. Even people who tend to really don't like it, they'll have a bottle of it uh, out at Christmas. Um, well, there's again, it's a Swedish on this one. It's called cloudberry, in Norwegian we call it molter, which uh, are berries that are uh, very expensive because they're very difficult to find. You've got to go up in the mountains and pick them. They're quite rare. Well, not that rare because it's a <laughs> jar of jam here, but it's they're difficult to find. Uh, yeah, lingonberry, that's, uh, that's something called tittebar. This molter, we use, mix that with cream, we use it for desserts most of the time. Um, uh, lingonberry, so again, it's Swedish, but we call it tittebar. Yeah, lingonberry is, uh, thanks to the, the, the um, yeah, the, the, uh, it's very common. I think lingonberry is around everywhere, isn't it? The kind mm-hmm. of people are very familiar with lingonberry, but it's, it's, that's, a, that's a very traditional Norwegian thing to have with. We like, make it into a jam and we have it with food, like you know, we have it with dinner, okay. like meat and potatoes, and you have that just on the side with it. It's, uh, it's, it's very tasty. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, so again, we uh, we are very much seeing the trolls. Obviously, the the centerpiece of this section of the store is the giant troll, probably one of the uh, the big photo opportunities in and around yeah. the pavilion. Um, again, you, you said still very much part of Norwegian tradition and culture for for kids or. Yeah, they, in Norway, in Oslo, they walk around the street and not, they're not. But, <laughs> yeah, but it, it is, it's very, uh, it's, it's a big part of tradition, our culture. 
an identity, I suppose. If you have to have some kind of mascot for Norway, it would be the troll. So and, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of uh, Viking helmets as well, which um, football games and everything like so, so you call the soccer games. People wear the Viking helmets for some reason. Um, and I suppose it's a myth that uh, the Vikings used to use them in fight because they'd be very stupid. People just grab them. Um, but they were actually worn during some kind of sermons. Ceremonial things, that kind of, yeah, they were, but they were like that. Yeah. As in battle, just have, it's like giving somebody handles for your hands. Yeah, basically, not a good idea. Well, and, and I'm sure now there's going to be a, a renewed interest in Norway, and especially for kids, as uh, Marvel Studios, uh, under Disney now, is releasing Thor. And uh, I remember as a kid reading Thor comics and, and learning all about that. But here, um, Thor hammers and Thor yeah. <laughs> figures. Is Thor uh, a popular, you know, figure in, in culture? Yeah, it's something you hear about. We call our, our teacher school was called called Tour as we call it. So we call it Tour Mahamanto with a hammer. So it's, it's, it's there. It's sort of reference to, but other than that, it's, uh, it's not something we talk about every day. <laughs> I was obviously, I, same as you, though. I, I grew up reading, like, Thor to me was kind of obviously like the, the, god, you know, the god of thunder, but also the comics. It was thought it was superhero. It so sounds when very I, cool in England and American, doesn't it? But in Norway, it just sounds like some middle-aged dude. <laughs> yeah, that's the weird thing when I found out, kind of like Thor, like what, Tour? It's kind of, it doesn't, right. yeah, Tour doesn't quite have the same... It doesn't have the same impact Thor. as no. Thor with his, with his mighty hammer, the mighty Avenger Thor. Um, but, you know, just quickly talking about um, Thor and his presence, you know, we were introduced to him through comic books as a kid. We were talking earlier about comics and sort of the, the Disney connection and yeah. you were asking me and were telling me about the the Disney or Norwegian connection something that I was very much unaware of and who for you is very much the predominant character yeah if you speak to any Norwegian about Disney or any Disney characters like, well, like, like Donald or Goofy or, or Mickey Mouse the first thing we think about is Disney comics because every, every week in Norway since I don't know when it started but definitely uh, Early, early 50s, or maybe even earlier than that. My dad used to collect them. He had a huge collection of them, um, which, unfortunately, my grandmother threw out, which he's <laughs> very angry about now. Uh, yeah, every, every week there's a, there's a Donald Duck comic coming out, a new, new, new issue every week. There's An a, actual comic book, not a comic strip like in a newspaper. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a comic book. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, like a magazine kind of thing. Um, very popular. It's probably the most selling uh, of any kind of thing on the magazine rack. Uh, there's a, a monthly Mickey Mouse comic. There's like a Donald kind of soft cover book coming out every month. There's another one in Scrooge. There's loads of like holidays. You find sort of special issues and stuff like that. So it's very much of a very much Norwegian tra- tradition to, to read uh, comics. If you go on a cabbing trip, there are, there's always some, some comics lying around. So uh, and, and you brought me, you know, you brought a couple to show me, and you yeah. said it's when you say. You know, a lot of people read them. You don't mean just children. You mean adults as well. Yeah, it's like Disney, I suppose, which are kind of... A lot of people think are only for kids, but really it's, it's written for everyone, so everyone can enjoy them, like the Harry Potter books, in a sense. So, uh, yeah, every, it's, it's a bit like you may not want to admit to everyone that you read them, but you do read them. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like Donald Duck often. A traditional story, not a sort of thing that repeats. Is he gets, for example, a job. He becomes an expert in less cutting people's hair. And he, he does these sort of amazing haircuts and everyone becomes a famous hairdresser. And he gets this big job at the end of it that he completely screws up and has to re- escape to Peru. That's, that's a typical wow. story. 
Well, it's curious though in the kind of because it started. I've started in America. Obviously, the Donald Duck. Obviously, some of your listeners probably have them themselves. The kind of this, the, uh, the Donald Duck comics, and they actually started in the strips in the newspapers. Um, but what's the strangest thing when if I first I first time I've ever seen a Donald Duck comic was in Norwegian, and the fact that of course he, he's got a speech but he talks. He does. There's no speech impediments in the comics. Right. So it's strange to kind of like give me back that spade. I'm going to dig that garden myself. <laughs> You three, what are you doing over there? And that, that is the weirdest thing when you first read the comic, is Donald's um, elocution. There's a, there's a guy called Carl Barks who was the, made a lot of the characters. and, and the, he's, he's the guy most... Big guy. He's almost like the kind of the Walt Disney of just the comic mm-hmm. parts of it. He's the big guy. And there's a guy called Don Rosa, who's my personal favourite. Amazing stories. And, and the characters are very much more alive, much more expressions. He very, made... Very sort of very much in the, in the vein of kind of like, um, not necessarily Robert Crumb style, but in the 60s, the kind of comics have kind of given people like uh, wrinkles in the knuckles and stuff mm-hmm. like that, kind of wrinkles in the forehead. They're kind of given the face a lot of detail. Yeah, and so it's interesting that considering how prevalent Donald is in Norway, when you come into the shop here in the Norway Pavilion, there's really not really references to Donald whatsoever. They used to have a Donald Duck soft toy with a Viking helmet He's on. He's over there. Yeah, he has well, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, they don't sell the comics, Bobby's Oh, there he is. Yeah, actually, no. There he is. There's there the, okay. yeah. So the plush is actually of Donald as opposed to yeah. Mickey in a, in a Norwegian costume. Basically, yeah, because he's, he's a big hero in Norway. So I said that to Donald. I met him in Disney World. So I was like, you're the big favorite in Norway. He's like, ooh. <laughs> So uh, people like Mickey as well. Uh, well if, you remember, I think if, if anyone remembers the, the pal Mickey, uh, he used to actually say when you arrive, we used to take him around with you, you arrive outside the Norwegian pavilion, and Mickey would, you know, his little buzz and be like, you know, he would tell people, did you know in Norway, like Donald is like, Donald's the, they're very famous in Norway. So it's kind of, so Mickey does admit it. Mickey if Mouse is a detective in Norway, and a lot of the comics are detectives, okay. going detective company and stuff, so it's uh, time traveling he does, it's, it's amazing, and they make these sort of, uh, well, it, this is, I suppose, American culture. It's really American comics. Uh, so uh, Italian comics as well. Uh, we get a lot of the comics from Italy, Italy as well. Okay. So the last section, which is actually where the Maelstrom attraction empties out into, yeah. is all about uh, Norwegian clothing. And this was always very curious to me because I didn't know if this was our interpretation of what Norwegian clothing is or what Americans would want uh, predominantly in beautiful, beautiful sweaters. Again, living in Florida where it's 106 degrees in the winter, I don't normally look in this section. Uh, but tell Dale us about... Yeah, Dale, is that one of the more popular... It is. When I was, I said, when I was a young acting student in Norway, I had a holiday job working at a tourist shop. But the main thing I sold was these Norwegian sweaters. Uh, this is called Dale of Norway. It's a big brand in Norway. It's, it's, they are very expensive, but they, it's great quality. I, I bought one like... 10 years ago and it's, it's still I still wear it every winter it's still uh, I do wash it but <laughs> this one is uh, $325 for a sweater it's, it's quite it a lot seems about right yeah. the price yeah they're very expensive in Norway even so you to, don't, don't be feel like you're getting ripped off here it is no <laughs> yeah I mean, and are they, I mean I have to assume that they're I mean they seem like they're very very warm I, I remember uh, one of the cool Januarys here being here with my wife she says you know I only have a t-shirt on I want, let me go get a sweater we walked into Norway and I picked it up and I looked at the tag and I said like this one $465 <laughs> I told her to go get some hot chocolate instead <laughs> um, but they I mean they're they're beautiful and is this sort of the, the same kind of traditional um, yeah. you know stitch work that, that you'd see there are different fashion. this one is a very traditional it's the most traditional one it's called Lusekofte 
Luz means lice, but it's got nothing to do with that. Really. I don't know. Nice. No, actually, I do know what it is. These are little V's all, V's all over. Look like the letter V again and again. We call them loose like lice, because uh, they look like them. It's I not don't know. Working out well in translation. Is it some, <laughs> it something isn't. Don't... Something gets lost. Yeah, yeah. something gets lost along but the It's way. very traditional. It's it's a uh, different sort of tra- the traditional designs. Sort of snowflake design here. This one is so red, white, and blue, which are Norwegian colours. Uh, and people in Norway actually wear those. Um, they're extremely thick. I mean, the one that things we, we've, uh, Aaron's got one at home, and they are, they are heavy. If we have to take yeah. it anywhere, I, I banned yeah. taking it anywhere on holiday because it was kind of taking up half our allowance in weight because it was so so well made, so well built. Yes, but no. I have to assume it's incredibly warm for those <laughs> those lovely winters that you have for six months that you set out of the year. Exactly, yeah, yeah. We, when I worked in tourist shop, uh, we, we, the, most of the people who got in there buying these were Americans, loads of Americans, especially from the north. Uh, with Norwegian heritage, you want to buy these sweaters and take them back home because they apparently are sold in America, other places, in Disney World as well. But again, very expensive. Yeah, I know a lot of people... A lot of people have been... Um, Introduced to a certain degree to Norway from uh, Sig Hansen and from watching Deadliest Catch. Um, Helly Hansen is that another? Yes, that's a, that's a Norwegian brand which uh, which is sold all over the world. Uh, mainly sort of raincoats and and that kind of for walking. Uh, yeah, so it's a, it's mainly it's mainly sort of sweaters and no, that's not sweaters. Sorry, jackets. Not sweaters. Yeah, this entire section is uh, is all weatherproof. It's weatherproof sort of jackets. It's supposed to be for, for yachting originally. I mean, when, we, when the Helly Hansen brand came to Britain, it was, it was supposed to be for yachting, but there were kind of like people wearing them for the being out in the street yeah. where they withstand the north. I suppose that's fishing tradition again. That uh, where that's coming from. So. Uh. So is that, is that is that like the the American view of Norwegians now is kind of like this <laughs> heroic guy sort of battling the oceans to catch fish? Just big men on big boats right with just uh, with beards yeah. <laughs> you all have horns on your heads and yes, the hats yeah, and everything yeah and I think that's and I think that's why this was one of the countries that fascinates me so much is because we know so very little because we don't have you know the UK obviously we have a lot of exposure to in China and Japan but Norway we, we don't see very much we have very little exposure to it so I was very curious as to was this a a microcosm of what you'd see, or was it sort of more of um, a, a, fant- a fantasy version of what they want to present Norway as? It's pretty accurate, I think. It's uh, it's sort of concentrated Norway, pretty much. Uh, the stuff you get in the shop, uh, all authentic. Uh, authentic copies, partly anyway, of the architecture as well. So it's, uh, it, is, it is very good, I'd say, yeah. One, one of the, I mean, again, from an outsider's point of view, to get the one thing that you will... Notice is, is, is very much is the sounds, uh, which is appropriate for uh, an audio podcast. Is you may hear in the background here. If you listen, if you stand nearby and listen to the the noise of the cast members talking, you'll hear them speaking Norwegian, and that's the sound. That's the thing you're in Norway. That's the thing you hear, of course, all the time. And that's one of the things that people kind of forget. That gives you a true flavour. Is, is just listen to the people talk because it may sound like you know Swedish chef. It may sound like gobbledygook, but that's um, I can understand it now. Uh, but that's something that if you want a flavour, just do that. Stand near the people; it's free, and that gives you a true flavour. And two, the thing that I like, and I and I always encourage people to do either with their kids or by themselves is to go and talk to the cast members. Yeah. Not just about the merchandise that you're buying or reservations and Akershus, but about them, where they're from, their culture. It, it's such a great one-on-one learning opportunity that I think a lot of people pass by because they're thinking about, I've got to get to Maelstrom, I've got to get to Test Track, I've got to get here to here. 
if you slow down like we're doing and, and explore the building and talk to the people, uh, you've got a great opportunity that you wouldn't have anywhere else. Absolutely. Well, we do actually. Uh, the, 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 what used to be the masks, which are now the, now the little duffies. Uh, the children are supposed to call her in and go. Kid cut, the kid, kid costs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we actually um, we have an art company, so we're interested in art, I suppose. But uh, we actually go around to different countries and call them in together with the kids, because then we get to speak to the people working right. there. And and uh, sometimes he did he did one with uh, different monsters from each each country. I did, yeah, the monsters. It was inspired by one previous year. I did I drew Godzilla in Japan, thinking that's next time. Each country's <laughs> monster, which is uh, sometimes a bit of a tough one with the cast members. Like, what do you have a monster? And they're like, I don't know what they a monster. I don't know if we have a monster. No, we have a lion. Uh, that'll do. I'll do a scary lion. It's cool because then you get to speak to the cast members about different things to do with the nations. And once, once we did uh, different sort of foods from each country, uh, yeah, so you just get a piece of, piece of the nation, basically. Speaking of foods, let's go back outside. We have some, a very important thing that we need to cover. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and I do want to mention one other thing, too, about uh, the architecture outside. And then I want to talk about Maelstrom a little bit yeah. as well. But one thing when we go back outside that I think people oftentimes overlook is right by the bakery. If you look up on the roof, it's not a shingled roof, it's not a tiled roof. It's a roof that looks like and is actually really made out of grass. Yes. Uh, if, you go, if you go to Norway uh, on the countryside, and it, it's quite rare now, but on the old farms you will, you will find that. They're made from... Uh, grass uh, it's cheap uh, good insulation and uh, and it looks cool really <laughs> so. so but it is something that you would have again like you said not something you might find now but if you yeah. went out to one of these older villages and as we step outside uh, we can look up and say you would find I mean they would literally just grow grass on the and just let it grow naturally or freely or do you have to mow your roof uh, well, actually, they didn't really have lawnmowers much uh, <laughs> thousands of years ago, but they had goats. So I've seen I've seen roof like goats climbing around the roof, eating the grass, which is uh, it's a bit weird, I suppose. But it's uh, it's something you find like uh, the, what we call Westland, the west side of the country, which is where you find the sort of huge, famous Norwegian nature, um, huge sort of mountains and the sort of beautiful fjords. It, it's probably one of the most beautiful things you will ever see. Uh, that's where you find that kind of things. Other places as well, but... All right, so we're going to wait a second before we go to the bakery because I do want to talk about, really, um, the icon of Norway. Besides the troll inside is the church. It's what people see. It's really uh, what represents... Yeah, the state churches. Uh, they started building around the year 1050. Uh, they had them in many countries, but uh, the only ones left now are in Norway. Uh, the 28 left of them. Uh, this one is a replica of Gulstavkirke, which is in, uh, in uh, Oslo, a museum with lots of uh, traditional buildings in it. Uh, when you say there was 28 left, I mean, originally there was a couple of thousand, right? A uh, thousand, a thousand, yeah, one, around 1,000. Uh, a lot of them have, kept, have been kept very well. Apparently, uh, unfortunately, in the 90, early 90s, I think it was, there was, uh, there was some people who thought it was fun to light them on fire and lots of them burnt down, which was... A horrible tragedy, really. If you look at the, if you look at the um, uh, design of them, uh, when Christianity came to Norway and we started building these churches, we made them out of wood because that's what we used to making things out of wood. Um, and uh, they used uh, Christian um, symbols together with uh, traditional Norwegian symbols, hence the dragons, for example. So they kind of mix the culture together. Like they did with, for example, Christmas. 
so uh, and they're I mean around the doorway I mean very beautiful very intricate carvings yeah. uh, as well too I mean it's not it's a, it, the structure just architecturally on the outside is beautiful to look at absolutely yeah very traditional Norwegian wood carvings you can see a, what looks like a Nisseher lots of dragons and in some senses uh they're similar to sort of a Japanese folk art, I think, with the dragons and the... And there's a Viking ship there as well, you can see, mm-hmm. which uh, might, again, be Usbad ship, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's... You can see, it, if you saw the rose painting before, it's sort of a lot of sort of swirls. Okay. It's the same kind of thing, really. For anyone who's seen, to get the idea of it, anyone who's seen uh, Lord of the Rings, and a few of you, I'm sure, have, the, the, um, in the... In the second, in the second film, there's uh, um, a lot of inspiration. It was all the inspiration for the uh, the horses, and there's got a lot of the same kind of carvings there. That kind of Nor- uh, Nordic, sort of Celtic design. That's what all this looks like. That's what they used. They took, went back to that um, Norwegian folk art carvings to to get that. So just so you got a picture of it at home. So the, the church is more than just a, an icon to look at outside. There's actually a, a folk art and a, a historical gallery inside. And you said when we were outside, this is actually the approximate size of what a church would be. It's not sort of a, a much smaller uh, representation. It looks a lot, lot smaller, actually. It would be we're big in this on the inside. Just on the outside, I think they're often longer um, than is. So it's just... Uh, like a lot of things Disney do, it looks different on the outside from the inside. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it tends to be longer, but it's probably about the width of it, I would presume, maybe a bit wider. So this is a great opportunity for people to learn about um, really what a, a Viking might look like. Uh, again, here you see King Olaf II, yeah. who was the patron saint of Norway. We talked about that earlier a little bit. Uh, and there's actually little museum pieces here. Uh, you know, that are silver swords yeah. and axe blades and arrow points. There are sort of sagas about the Vikings. Uh, you can read, uh, you can get them in English as well. And it's an incredibly violent history. It's, mm. it's horrible. It's, a, it's one, one kid who killed his first person at the age of four, I think it was. And his, his family was very proud. It's, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's very much of revenge as well. If one person from one family kills someone from another family, they had to revenge him. Um, and killed someone from that family. It kept going, and the whole, whole families, and in the end, were just sort of deleted because. Yeah, long, cold winters, nothing else to do, really. They had, they had no television, no Facebook. <laughs> well, it, you can see the from 750 to 1058, the, the far reaching exploration routes of the Vikings, both by uh, water and even a little bit on land, too. I mean, it, what, they were not sort of confined just to that area, they went uh, very far. Uh, west as well as far east too, you know, beyond the Caspian Sea. Oh yeah, they did a, did tra- travel all around all around the world, uh, and mostly they were peaceful. Mostly they were trading and, and learning about cultures. Well, trading was the point of it, really. But obviously, you found uh, the odd Viking who would pillage and be pretty <laughs> horrible. So uh, there was some of that as well. So, but mainly it was a peaceful, peaceful culture. One of the other uh, 3D exhibit here is, is of Eric the Red, who was Norwegian-born. Uh, he explored Greenland, and it also talks about how, sort of as Christianity came in, that the era of the Vikings really started to end over in Norway as well. Yeah, it did. It, uh, I suppose the Viking tradition kind of uh, became part of the Christian tradition, and it was sort of a mix, I suppose. But it's, uh, it, was, it was very forced at that time. Uh, the old Viking tradition were kind of forced down as much as as much as uh, they could, uh, which you know, it's, it, in a sense, is a bit sad. But uh, we still uh, we still have our symbols. We still have 
have stuff we found. We still have this churches and everything. So it's still it's still there, but it's more a part of the history now. And connection to America, his son, who was Leif Erikson, uh, went on to really sort of, depending on how you look at history, discover America around 1000 AD. Yeah, you know, we really disagree the fact that Christopher Columbus uh, <laughs> discovered America because Leif Erikson was there first to discover it. Never mind the people actually lived there in the first place. Really. What they were about. Well, Chris had a bigger budget, and that was the trouble. Yeah. He was sent over there with a big pile of gold and spices and this kind of thing. He could afford to make more books and bigger books and put his name in bigger lights. Yeah. Lee yeah, probably so had some kind of piece of wood and a fish or something to carve it on. And well, I've heard stories and seen things on TV about uh, discoveries of pieces of rock with carvings in it that look as though they bear symbols from the Norwegian language, so sort of giving more proof to the fact that maybe he did actually yeah. arrive here before Christopher Columbus did. Yeah, no, we definitely believe that. We also believe that Santa is Norwegian, but... <laughs> well, you also have zombies coming at Christmas, so... <laughs> Again, the similarities and differences uh, of the cultures. We were talking about uh, people from history and sort of that sense of pride, and, and outside there's another st statue on the opposite side of a more modern Norwegian hero or, or heroine who unfortunately just passed away recently. Yeah, Grete White. She was a runner, um, won loads, and she was a big sort of, probably one of the biggest, best, most famous marathon runners ever. Uh, she recently passed away. Uh, she had cancer, and she also, during sort of later years, she sort of taught people with cancer that you can still be active and it's going to be good for your health. Uh, yeah, so uh, very tough woman, very Norwegian. In, in Norway, we are very. I, I think it's our Viking tradition that you're supposed to be tough. You know, you're not supposed to. If, if a kid falls over, it's not like, oh, how are you? Are you okay? It's more like, oh, that went all right. You're fine. Don't cry. Crying. Rub some snow on it and get up. You'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> it's, it's very much like that. It's also uh, we got something called Jantelöven, uh, which is from uh, Norwegian literature. Which is basically all saying, uh, don't believe you are anything. Don't believe you can do anything. Don't believe you're better than me. And um, that's kind of very much uh, part of Norwegian culture and Norwegian mentality, which is not a very good thing. It's getting a little bit better, but it's, when you grow up, it's, it's that kind of thing. You're not allowed to believe you're better than anyone else or that you can do anything. It's, uh, the, the, the opposite of, kind of what, what from, from the European point of view, which, is the, which I admire, the, the American thing, the kind of... Punching the air, USA, we can build it bigger, faster, yeah. better, and more shiny than anybody else, which is true. Look at where we are now. That this, the Disney World, all of it, could yeah. never have been built in, in anywhere in Europe because we, that, again, that kind of, maybe we live too close together. We haven't got enough space. I don't know. That kind it's of, pretty much the opposite of Walt Disney, then. You know, if you, if you can dream it, you can do it kind of thing. It's there to dream big. Do, you, you can do it. If something, you really want something, you can do it. And, uh, it's pretty much the opposite of that in Norway, and it's, it's, it's uh, probably a good thing, you know. It's that kind of suppressing that Viking bloodthirsty thing because if you, if you had that, you'd be getting the axes back. Look at this guy; <laughs> you, we can't see him, but this guy with the the, the plaited beard, the axe, and the shield—he looks like he's, he's just landed his ship. First thing he does, get his axe out. So it's kind of you know, if if Norway got that spirit back, we'd be finished. <laughs> Yeah, you pretty much would be. So yeah, yeah, you've got those cruise ships now rather than the long boats. You've got, you got the uh, cruise ships out. Come on, land and then you know. And one of my favorite places, uh, one of my favorite places to snack and one of my favorite things to introduce people to is specifically the Lefse, and here we'll talk about, but we are at the... We're at the Kiringla Bakiri Cafe, which means, Kiringla is like a, a sweet sort of pret, what they call a sweet pretzel, it, it's not pretzelish dough, it's pretzel shaped I suppose. Bakiri is bakery, shockingly enough. Og means and again and cafe. Shockingly off means cafe. 
And so you were saying before how sweets and, and specifically cakes and treats and things like that are very, very popular in Norway. Yeah, they are. Big cakes, cakes for, cakes for anything. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's pretty much a bread culture, when it, both when it comes to cakes and when it comes to uh, savory food as well. So, uh, yeah, there's a, a pan, there's, a, there's a kind of tart here, which I have never, ever seen in Norway. We don't do torts and quiches and stuff like that. So that's, uh, but I suppose there's potatoes in it. Uh, we do eat a lot of potatoes, apart from bread in Norway. It's, it's, a, it's like in England, they talk about weather. In Norway, we talk about potatoes for some reason. <laughs> goat cheese, uh, we do eat a lot of as well. Uh, mainly the sort of brown goat cheese I talked to you before. Um, Ham and apple sandwich. Uh, I have never heard of, but we do sometimes. <laughs> we sometimes, we, you know, we have like open sandwiches. Um, prawns are very popular. Uh, smoked ham are very popular. Something I used to eat a lot when I was a kid was uh, Jarlsberg cheese with some slices of raw apple on top of it. That's really good. I think it's one of those things that's a part of it kind of are, like little bits are, so little bits are kind of something which kind of is... is, is um, uh, mutated sort of from Norwegian traditional cuisine into something which kind of fits right. something something palatable, maybe more palatable, especially here a sandwich. Because really, the bakery is less about the sandwich as it is about the desserts. And we'll sort of go through the uh, the wide variety of desserts that they have here as well. Are these sandwiches in Norway? Uh, not quite yet. Uh, in Norway, the sandwiches are what we call smurbre. It's kind of really posh version of sandwiches. You eat parties and stuff. Um, it's basically uh, it's basically like the salmon egg one is here, but with loads of stuff on top of it. It's like we're talking like three floors of stuff on top of it. So that's the difference. It's just a lot more stuff on it, really. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like a, the, the same as like a US and here, the kind of US and Britain. We're kind of we're, we're clo- always close our sandwich. Maybe say something about us. I don't know. Uh, but in no way it's, it's open. The kind of just one always one slice of bread. The kind of, the, the concept of putting one on top of that seems. What's the point of that? You can't see what's inside. So it's kind of. So, so the, like the salmon and egg looks like it's an open face, one yeah, piece of is, bread yeah. with salmon and, and egg, sliced yeah. egg on top. Yeah, basically, we we often we often have um, egg hock. Oh, <laughs> sorry, scrambled egg. Scrambled egg on top of it. That's what that's what we do with a bit of grässa. Um, uh, I can't remember anything. Chives. With a bit of chives inside okay. it. That's what we often use on the on the smoked salmon. We have something called gravlaks, which is uh, a type of salmon that isn't. It's raw, but it's not smoked. It's, I think they used to dig a hole in the ground and put it down there for a while. I hope this don't still do that. But it's, uh, it's, uh, it's basically uh, lots of alcohol and dill and spices and stuff. And it's, uh, it, looks, it looks the same. It's often found in the supermarket. You might find sure. it. It's kind of, yeah. It's, it's, uh, but the word gravad means dug down, doesn't it? Grave yeah, it dug. Yeah. But people don't know that. Yeah. And so as the saying goes, when in Norway, do as the Norwegians do. We're going to have cake for lunch today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And again, you, you talked about things like the school bread, uh, yeah. which is very, very popular here. Describe what it is. Well, uh, school bread, we call it, you know, we call it skolebrød, which is, uh, it's not bread at all, it's, it's a bun, basically, which has uh, cardamom in it, uh, sugar in it, uh, wheat flour, water, eggs, I think. <laughs> I should know this. I usually butter as well, and margarine. Well, yeah, I also like butter as well. Um, and it's it's made into a bun, and there's a normally it's at, it's sort of flatter than these actually because these are quite round, and they have a filling, uh, they have custard inside them. Normally, it's flatter, and it's got a dip inside of it, just not in the middle of it. We put the custard, and you cook it with the custard, so it goes kind of um, not quite hard, but it's sort of rubbery, I suppose. Yeah, it's like rubbery, uh, and. Um, 
and then we put um, put some icing sugar on top of it and coconut. Here yeah, they got toasted coconut. We don't use that in Norway, but it's the one they have here is very good. It's it's much stronger flavor than the one in Norway. The one in Norway is much milder. It's, uh, this is basically a version, but it's uh, other than that, it's very accurate. It just tastes very good. So we have to have a school bread, please. Yeah. We also have to have a lefsa. We got to talk about the lefsa because that's one of my favorites. Uh, what are some other things you see in the case? What, what, what's a that? Baden's best. The world's best is called. It's a cake that that it, it, it's good. I wouldn't really say that it's the world's best, but it's it's a, it's a good cake. Yeah, it's a complete it's miss, got, Even in Norway, the kind of world's best. That's a bit extreme. You that's summer cake you're expecting. It never lives up to it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the name, I think. But it is really good cake. It's sort of a meringue. On top of it, and it's got a sort of yellow filling inside, and it's uh, it's it's good. It's 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 good. It's definitely worth trying. Okay, so we need to try a, a world's kind of best, and a lefsa. Yeah, definitely. And what else? So there's a, a cloudberry horn, a um, chocolate mousse. We don't have in Norway really. <laughs> well, we do now. Um, let me see. Rullekake. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not particularly Norwegian either. We do have it, but it's not. It's not that. I mean, cloudberry are fairly Norwegian, I suppose. But cloudberry horn, though. That, that, that horn, that's a, a French, the horn, horn isn't very Norwegian that's a, that's either. A, that's I a suppose Veiled Maiden would be quite Norwegian. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. apple and cream. That is that's quite Norwegian as well. Rice cream? Uh, rice cream is very Norwegian. But, yeah. It's more of a Christmas thing for me. Um, and you were saying before you you really like the rice cream. I, yeah, I love the rice cream because that kind of, I think I missed out as a kid having this. Yeah, I just it's, it's Christmas. I, it's Christmas food to me. Okay, we need to try a rice cream as well, please. And so, and and the 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 sign outside shows a, a pretzel with a crown on top. And here, the the pretzels that you find are not ones that you normally would find on the streets of New York City. There's a, a sweet pretzel and another one with shaved almonds on it. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this in Norway, ever. <laughs> it, it's more like, if you see the school bread, uh, it's the same dough as that we use in Norway, and we make it normally a lot bigger than that, pretzel-shaped. Uh, again, the sort of uh, the custard on, in the middle and then some um, icing sugar on top of it. But these these aren't very uh, very traditional. I think what's, what's interesting is kind of, there's obviously the, the, the must have started asking, the, the, as in with the architects, they must have asked, what's Norwegian food? then handed it to maybe an American or a French chef who's kind of done some translation of it, and then down the years, things have changed and evolved to something that maybe some of it is, but kind of Cloudberry is Norwegian, but the, the horn it's in, is that's French pastry. Towards even England, that's a French pastry horn. They don't really do the puff pastry a great deal there. Everything's more kind of, uh, more of like a bread cake base. So there are some things that are very traditional, some things are more interpretative, interpretive of maybe a flavor from Norway or something that's somewhat Norwegian, but not something you'd find every day in a Norwegian home or restaurant. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, Also, it's traditional Norwegian tr- traditional Norwegian food and modern Norwegian food. And obviously, we do have chocolate mousse in Norway, like everywhere else. But that's... Uh, it's not, it's first not what I, you're known for. You don't think of no, that when you think of Norway. I was probably a teenager first time I tried chocolate mousse because we didn't have it. <laughs> so, uh, But we do have it. We do have chocolate cake a lot. Often sort of this sort of flat, gigantic chocolate cake that we eat in kids' birthdays and stuff. Waffles. Waffles. They look like Norwegian waffles as well. Yeah, they do. They they exactly. They're sort of hard. It's shape of uh, I said like five hearts stuck together. Five or six. No, I think it's five. Uh, That's five. Five hearts stuck together, like a flat thing with little sort of square holes in it, kind of dips in it, uh, which we eat with uh, either with um, 
button sugar or button the brown cheese I talked about the goat cheese or uh, Jarlsberg or you can have it with jam that's a, that's a very Norwegian thing it looks like it has a, a, a jam or a jelly inside yeah you can have that you can have strawberry uh, strawberry jam which I didn't like as a kid but uh, yeah it's that, is, that worth, is that worth trying yeah it's oh. definitely worth trying how do you say excuse me in Norwegian Richard <laughs> hi uh, can we få en sån uh, waffle also Three minutes? Yeah, it's about three minutes to make. Oh, they make them fresh. Yeah, oh. we also make them fresh. You have to have it. Fresh. Well, now we have to have it. <laughs> so obviously the one other aspect of the Norway Pavilion, besides the uh, the salt licorice, is the attraction that's here. Um, it's one of just a couple of pavilions in World Showcase that have an actual ride-through attraction, uh, the, other, the other obviously being uh, Mexico. And this really is sort of more of a, a 3D story of the history of Norway, some of that uh, Viking and that troll folklore, uh, and a little bit of a, a tourism guide to what modern Norway is. You end off in that seaport village, and then it does take you into uh, the film. You know, that, like everything else here in the entire pavilion, was really researched extensively and put together by Imagineer Joe Rohde. And certainly you know him, he's become famous in the last many years for his work on things like Animal Kingdom and uh, Adventures Club. But Joe Rohde and his team went through painstaking amounts of research to make it as accurate and as detailed as possible. Uh, you've got that Norse mythology with Odin telling you about uh, you know, peril and adventure and the three-headed trolls who, like you mentioned before, are out there to protect the forest and the environment. And you end off learning more about the people, uh, the people in Norway and how they live and that sense of community uh, at the end of the attraction and then in the film, uh, who was at, well, the film actually was directed by Paul Gerber. He directed two other films here in Epcot, which was the, the original Seas film as well as Symbiosis over in the land. And you, you mentioned before about how the film is somewhat dated. It, ha it very much has that sort of 90s feel to it. Notwithstanding the, the, the differences maybe in, um, in hairstyles and in, uh, in outfits, do you still think that it captures, you know, pardon the expression, that, that spirit of Norway? Yeah, I think you get it. I think the main thing I noticed is the, it's the sort of 17th of May, the big national, national day parade you see there. So, no, you get a good idea, you do, but, uh, yeah, it does look outdated, and uh, we're not really still stuck in the 90s. It's <laughs> well, some of us are, but, you know, it's... <laughs> No, it's 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 a good it's a good film, but it's uh, I it it would need to be updated, and uh, also I find it maybe a little long, but maybe that's just me. I still I think people should see it. Um, you know, I see too many people walking through the film. I, th I think they should sit and watch it at least once. Uh, I think it, it might be a, a great and maybe their only introduction into uh, the people of Norway and the culture of Norway, and hopefully they take the time uh, to explore the pavilion, like we said before to talk to the cast members, to get an appreciation of what it is, especially we, we knowing now that it is a relatively accurate representation of what you would find there if you were to go as a tourist and what you might be able to see and what you might be able to learn. So I think this is another one of those pavilions that the Imagineers did such a good job of taking that spirit of a country, encapsulating into an area of about 58 or so thousand square feet. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely a good taster of Norway. Uh, but I think the, the one thing that is missing here that's sort of uh, it's the Norwegianist thing 
you can think of really is Norwegian nature. Obviously, they can't bring a gigantic fjord in with a gigantic mountain, <clears throat> but it's it's that it's a sort of a, the west side of the country where it's a very sort of dramatic nature. That's basically the thing they they can't bring in, which is is missing. And it's also the ski culture, I think, because uh, there aren't a huge amount of snow in Florida, so. Uh, so skiing as well, although I do, I do recommend if people go to Norway, they go in the summer because it's too cold in the winter, but it's a part, part, big part of the culture. But I think that's what the film does do, and I think that's why people should see it, because I, I think you get a sense of just how beautiful Norway is. You know, when you, if you come to the pavilion and you just walk through, you get a sense that this is all that Norway looks like. And when you get to see that natural environment, uh, it, it is beautiful. And I think that's what it was that attracted my dad to want to say, yeah, I want to go and see it. The people here are so nice, but look at what a beautiful place this is, unlike anything we have here in the States. Yeah, exactly. I think the film does that. sort of supplements with the stuff you can't actually put here physically. So, uh, yeah, it does give people a, a bit of a taste of what, what Norway is like. And uh, I do hope people want to go and visit. Uh, as I said, I used to work in a tourist shop when I was a, back when I was a student. And uh, I, I think maybe only once in two years, well, two summers, uh, I spoke to Americans who didn't like it. Americans generally tend to appreciate Norway and appreciate uh, appreciate the culture there a lot more than more than most other natures, uh, more other more than most other other people from other countries that came in. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's in, in in Europe we kind of there's a lot of snobbery uh, in Europe about the kind of the fact that oh, America's only been around for like five minutes. It's like it's been around for the same length as all the other lands have. It's just that we didn't just go and conquer it and destroy it for you know the most part. But there's you know the beauty that's around, but we kind of uh, you know accept it's what us and our dust that that kind of we accept ours as uh, you know for, we kind of take it for granted. Uh, whereas um, I think that I mean the nature that's in Noah, you will find kind of if I've probably Canada has very similar nature, I imagine. Um, but the certain it's like the fjord, the fjords identify it mostly. Kind of is that kind of that that there's so much coastline. It's kind of it's uh, there's more. It's how many like ten thousand miles? A ridiculous amount of miles of coastline there. Um, which kind of helps identify it, which I don't know that very few other countries have that kind of super, you know, absolute, that, that's Norway, you know. Well, I th again, I think it's a, a beautiful pavilion. I think from the church to the waterfall to the castle and the interiors of the shops and, and the restaurant itself, and certainly uh, I enjoy the attraction for what it is, and I, and I enjoy the film as well. Uh, and like you, the the cast members that work here are truly very passionate about their uh, home country and about the desire to have more people understand it and enjoy it. Um, so if you are seeking peril and adventure, you may be disappointed because you will find that beauty and that charm. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time today to uh, walk with me and talk with me, dine with me and introduce me to a lot of things that I didn't understand, some of which I'll never participate in again. Thank you, Salt Licorice. Um, but again, guys, I really do appreciate it, and hopefully, again, uh, more people come out and, and uh, explore the pavilion in a little more detail and depth. Thanks to you, Lou. We had a great fun anyway. <laughs> it was a great time. Thanks, Lou. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Hope you enjoyed our virtual tour of the Norway Pavilion. Hope it also encourages you to go out and explore and appreciate all the details and the culture and the history that the Pavilion has to offer. 
we actually spent a lot more time wandering through different parts of the pavilion and actually spent some time sitting down and tasting and enjoying some of the foods we purchased from the bakery as well as some other items that our friends from Norway brought with them. I edited that out from this week's podcast, but I am going to include that section, that sort of food tasting section of the uh, of the recording, and I'll put it in this week's show notes. You can play it or download it right from there. Just visit www.radio.com, click on show number 236. There you'll find the audio file right there. And again, while you're there, I'd love for you to comment on this week's show. Your thoughts about the Norway Pavilion, maybe anything you learned in this episode, or do you enjoy the pavilion? Have you taken time and gone through the attraction, the stave church, or even any of the dining options as well? While you're on the site, be sure and explore how you can get some more magic of Walt Disney World anytime, anywhere. Check out our daily blog post. We had a lot of new great contributors uh, writing some good stuff on the blog. Also have some new contests as well. You can also check out the store for the audio tours, the Walt Disney World trivia books, links to the iPhone app, including the now recently updated Walt Disney World trivia iPhone app with more than 770 questions, descriptive answers, lots of true and false questions, new features, and more. While you're on the site, you can also check out the entire archive of back episodes of WDW Radio. You can check out our photo galleries, our videos, and come by and join the community. Meet and talk with other Disney fans in our discussion forums, or even better yet, come by and find out how you can meet in person at some of our Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World and other events like the WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream. For more information and a schedule of upcoming events, you can visit DisneyMeet.com. Also, in addition to the podcast, be sure and join us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for the WDW Newscast, our live weekly video broadcast and interactive chat every Wednesday night. You can find that over at WDWNewscast.com. Also, like I said, be part of the community. Follow along with everything that's going on by coming by our Facebook page. We are Facebook.com slash Radio. On Twitter, I am at Lou Mangiello. You could also call the voicemail, be heard on the air toll-free at 888-703-2171 or email me with a question or comment at lou at www.radio.com. Also be sure and tune in next week for a special announcement from Celebrations Magazine or you can find out now by going to visit celebrationspress.com while you're there. You can also check out what's going on with our latest issue, order back issues, subscribe, and lots more. Again, that's celebrationspress.com. And visit loumangelo.com to find out more about me, some of the other things I'm involved in, including private tours of Walt Disney World, speaking opportunities, some charitable efforts, and lots more. Big thanks go out to our partners and sponsors, including MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. They are my recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs. Look, Becky and her team will not only get you the best possible prices, all available discounts, an incredible level of personal service really is what separates them from everyone else. And again, all at no additional cost to you. When you're coming to visit Walt Disney World, maybe you want something a little bit different. Maybe you want a two-bedroom condo or a seven-bedroom house with multiple master bedrooms, private pools and spas and game rooms. If so, allstarvacationhomes.com has more than 150 homes within just a couple of miles of Walt Disney World. And if you come down and want to stay right in the heart of the action on property, you know I love the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. They've got the 17 world-class restaurants and lounges, the Mandara Spa, lots of other Disney benefits, a great pool, and of course, the oh-so-comfortable heavenly beds. Visit them over at swananddolphin.com. 
Be sure and tune in over the next few weeks. We're going to have some great recaps of Disney's D23 Expo, our adventures by Disney Backstage Magic Tour, a couple of new announcements, a few surprises, some more contests, and lots more again. You can keep up with everything over on Twitter, on Facebook, and by going and exploring the website over at www.radio.com. As always, my friends, and you are my friends, and you proved that at the Expo, if you like the show... All I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links on Facebook or Google+. And come by. Please rate and review the show and the iPhone apps over in the iTunes store. And remember that there is no time like right now to start pursuing your own passion. So be positive. Get motivated. Start following your dream. And when you do, always keep moving forward. Thank you so very much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. You fuel my passion. So until next time, I hope you guys have a great week this week. See ya. Hi, Lou. This is Emily from uh, Virginia. I formerly knew from the East Virginia, now Suffolk, Virginia. Um, I wanted to call in and tell you congratulations and good luck on your move to Orlando. Uh, we just went to remove last week, uh, unfortunately not to Orlando, but um, I know you're going to have a great time there. My sister lives down there, and she absolutely loves it. Um, and any any move closer to Disney World is a good one in my book. So good luck, and here's wishing you good moving karma. Have a good one, Lou. Bye. Hey, Lou, this is Heather S. from Nashville. I'm with my family right now at um, Cosmic Rays in Disney World. We're listening to Sunny Eclipse and thought you might get a kick out of hearing us. Here's some of the sounds so you can hear it. We're enjoying the toppings bar with our dining plan. My sister and I got a cheeseburger. My parents got the um, chicken and ribs, and we're having a great time. And uh, can't wait to hear the show again. Have a great day. Hello, Lou. This is Justin, once again, from Arthur, New York. And, of course, I just just began reading the Kingdom Keepers, the fourth one, fourth Kingdom Keepers, and at, at I believe it is Power Play. And that book is getting very interesting. I know that, like, compared to, like, the third Kingdom Keepers and the fourth of Power Play, I just noticed that, of course, that we mentioned that the last book, the third, Kingdom Keepers, Disney Shadow, the characters also go to back up, go back to Norway, and they wrote. And, I, and if you just and did you know that the Kingdom Keepers went on the Maelstrom ride in the third Kingdom Keepers, Keepers, but now instead of riding it, they actually go backwards and went through the main through like the waterfall like you go to the entrance before you go in the attraction you see the waterfall come out and the boat goes backwards and then forward and that is of course their entry instead of the main entrance of the ride so they started off with the face of the attraction and they went backwards for it now I noticed this now I noticed that the fog really pierced him once he's there at the D23 Expo, it's good to have, like, clues like you're writing them down. I've been writing down clues for the texting and all the messaging. Well, keep an eye on the keepers lately on the book. 
I kept it very nice and simple and very easy to bring those clues. And like like I just, you just mentioned, because we are absolutely a week away to the D23 Expo, it's a, I, it's a, it's a race for my book to finish before heading to D23 Expo. A race, so I am just a couple of chapters away, and I'm finishing the book and seeing Mr. Sir Ridley Pearson at D23 Expo. And I'll see you there, too, Lou, at the Expo as well. See you in a week, Lou, until next until next week at the Expo. See ya. Real soon. Hi, Lou. Jen Tremley from Bristol, Connecticut. Just wanted to say hi. Uh, I hope you're having a good time on your adventures by Disney trip and then right into the Expo this weekend. Uh, it's Monday, August uh, 15th. Just got finished listening to this week's show, 235, with a listener email with you and Becky. Um, enjoy the show as always. Um, just saw a few of your uh, pictures on Twitter, and uh, sounds like you guys are having a blast out in Southern California. So um, I hope you guys have a great time, and I'm looking forward to listening to or seeing your show from the box uh, this weekend at the D23 Expo. And I just wanted to say congratulations and good luck on your new move to Orlando. Sounds like it's the right decision. You spend a lot of your time there, so it just makes sense uh, to, that you live you know, more local to the Orlando area. And uh, I just want to say good luck, and I'm sure everything will turn out fine. And you'll be, uh, I'm sure you and your family will be um, happy that you're living so close to the magic now. Um, and you'll be, be at the parks, I'm sure, more than you have been, uh, which, is, uh, which is a surprising thing because I'm sure you're there quite a bit as it is. Um, but anyway, uh, you're living the dream, man. And uh, I hope uh, one of these days I can certainly live the dream too and, and either work for Disney or somehow move to Florida and be closer to the magic um, myself. So, again, uh, thanks for everything you do. And we will uh, hopefully see each other soon. And I look forward to next week's show. Have a great week, and we'll talk later. Bye bye. Hi, Lou. It's Lynn from Alabama. Just got finished listening to. Uh Hidden Treasures, uh, audio sound bites from, from the box. And uh, I tell you what, this this is not the first time it's happened. I was sitting there thinking, man, I hope they bring up the sound booth. And no sooner had I thought that than you mentioned it. At the end or at the exit of Sounds Dangerous, the sound booth. Um, and, of course, the Rafiki's playing. Well, I've, actually not actually, I've not actually been able to uh, go and listen or go to, to that particular attraction at Rafiki's Planet Watch, that the sound booth, and this is a tip, I guess, for those out there who have never experienced it, and I just wanted to echo uh, your thoughts on it. Um, the, those sound booths are amazing. Those impressed me at the day that I, the first day that I ever sat in one of those, and I recommend those to this day to people going to Disney World, and I say, if you want something especially people who have never been to Disney World, if you want to experience some real magic, go into one of these sound booths. Uh, the, there was a story, the one that we went in, I don't know if they're all different, but the one that we went in, the story was that you were being prepared to meet uh, the head of some big organization. And I mean, the, what they did with those earphones in that booth was absolutely amazing. You talked about the technology that's out right now on, on different headsets with, with iPhones and, and, and iPods and whatnot. I don't know about that. But what they were able to do with sound was just amazing from uh, them cutting your hair, uh, blow-drying your hair, 
putting something on your head. I don't know what it was, but it was all done through sound. It is amazing technology in there. So if you, if you ever catch that open, um, and I don't think you have to actually go through and watch Sounds Dangerous to do this. You can just enter through the exit of Sounds Dangerous, walk into one of those sound booths. It takes less than 10 minutes. There's no line, like you said, most people walk right by. You need to experience the sound booths because those are those are something else, something to listen to, something to to, uh, to participate in for sure. Thanks for bringing it up. A really cool segment at the beginning. I was thinking, I don't know about this. I don't know if this if this segment. But again, you didn't fail me. You never fail me, Lou. Your shows always uh, are great. And thank you so much. I uh, hope to see you one day. Bye. You've got a friend.